you are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Dane Carver here, friendly neighborhood sports writer. I am taking over for Eric Gunderson today as host, solo host of the Locked On Trailblazers podcast. That is because Gunderson is... Uh, just away for the day. So I will be going over the game with you today after the Trailblazers played a, a weird game at uh, for us, you know, right at noon on the West Coast against the Oklahoma City Thunder on Super Bowl Sunday. Trailblazers unfortunately dropped their game today, 105-99. to They did hold Russell Westbrook out of a triple-double, but he scored 42 points. Russ uh, got to the line, what, he... Shot 11 free throws. He was 16 to 34 from the field. 16 to 34 is just ridiculous. Uh, three Thunder players were in double-digit rebounds. Um, you know they had a good contribution from Victor Oladipo from Andre Roberson. Trailblazers, unfortunately, although Damian scored 29, it was on 22 field goal attempts. So not great. C.J. McCollum added 19 points on 7 of 15 shooting. Mason Plumlee had 13 points, although he fouled out of the game. No Trailblazer was in double-digit rebounding. Alan Crabb added 10 points off the bench. Now, how should you feel about this? I think, you know, on one hand, not great. Obviously, the Trailblazers dropped that game to the Mavericks the other night. Let Seth Curry and Yogi Ferrell go crazy and on their own on their own home court. So that's tough, I think, in terms of hoping that the team was maybe going to turn something around after the defensive switch and... You know, really, just how they've 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 played a little bit better. It at least it feels like it, right? I think watching this team, uh, I certainly am more ready to watch this team on a nightly basis. I think you, as a fan, are probably taking a look at it on a nightly basis and saying, "Oh, this is you know." I mean, you know, they're what they're nine in the Western Conference right now. They're they're battling with Denver and Dallas and Sacramento for that final spot. They could be a playoff team. That's a year where at least you know that you're not absolutely terrible. Now. I don't know how you feel about that if you want to go crazy with it and, you know, um, get a better pick and what, what can you do in the draft and who you're going to trade. That's the whole that's the constant conversation. So do I think tonight was something really that said something about the Blazers? Not really. You know, this game wasn't lost because of some kind of uh, lack of effort or, you know, really obvious execution issues. The Trailblazers lost today because, as they typically do, they can't last a whole game, and they're not very good at, I think, finding opportunities when teams have planned for their strengths. That's the biggest problem with the Blazers this year. There's too many pick-and-roll plays in which Mason Plumlee ends up under the basket and then kicks it to the nearside wing, and that nearside wing is Al Farouk Aminu, and he either doesn't want to or can't go right up with it, and then you have to make two more passes. And the teams know those two more passes are coming. So they don't close out on Aminu. Those two more passes come, and they close out you know, across the arc to Alan Crabb. Close out on him harder. Close out on CJ harder in the opposite corner. And shut him down. So the Blazers' offense doesn't look very good at this point in time to me. Because there's some, uh, you know, there's some planning issues going on there versus versus defenses. So, again, I don't think that this game was necessarily something to be worried about. This is what the season is. This season has been a struggle for Portland. It'll continue to be a struggle for Portland. Now, playing against the Thunder, I think 
again, I, I wouldn't say necessarily that coming away from Oklahoma City with a win or with a loss is great or terrible because Oklahoma City, as um, you know, as, as good as they've been this season, you know, they're still only seventh in the West. And outside of Russell Westbrook, this team has some real problems. So shutting down Westbrook from getting a triple-double, fine. Allowing him to score 42 points, that was sort of obvious. I mean, if, if you're giving up the amount of points you gave up to Yogi Ferrell and Seth Curry, you're probably giving up this to Russ Westbrook. It would have been nice to get a win, but I don't think that you can say, I think we're, we're sort of past this point with this team where they go up and down, up and down. You can say this win is the turning point, or I hope it's the turning point, or it seems like it's a turning point. I think it kind of goes the same way for losses. You can't go the other. You can't go not go one direction and then say you're you're gonna go in the other direction. So a loss is a loss. The Trailblazers are who they are, and I don't think you know they're not gonna take some sort of sudden nosedive unless they trade away a major player or a major player gets injured or a major player um, just uh, gets rest. These are not guys who Damian and CJ are not two people who hang it up. So. You're not. You shouldn't be expecting to see the Blazers fall, you know, down to where Phoenix is. Uh, that's just unrealistic. Because as long as those guys are going to be able to play, they're going to be able to win some games, and they're not going to, you know, give. They're not going to give their effort in full every single night. That's what you're going to get from Damian and CJ. Got a good chance. That said, I know that it's not any fun for people to continually watch this team lose. It's disappoint. It's disappointing and. You know, I don't know what to say at this point in time. I think they are who they are. I, As much as we've spent, I mean, I know that you guys have asked me questions. I've done videos about it. We've spent time on Twitter talking about it together here on this podcast about what there is to do and what can be said and what trades are. And we've talked about this for months. I mean, it is February. We are weeks away from the All-Star game. I'm exasperated. No, I'm not exasperated. That's I was exasperated six weeks ago, let's say. You know, I was just sick of watching them lose the way they're losing. Now they're losing now. I think they're losing in a better way. As much as that, in a way where I'm at least I still want to turn on the game, you know. I think when we were getting to a point in December there where it's like, if the game's on tonight, do you want to watch it? It's like, maybe not. <laughs> so they are who they are. I think you should do what you can. This is my advice for Blazers fans. Do what you can to enjoy the game and enjoy what you see fit. Uh, and personally, I know that not everybody watches a game like this, but this is how I watch the game. So I want to talk to you about it. If you have CJ and Damian and players are going to stay on this team, Alpha Rukaminu, take a look at them, watch their games closely, try to study them so that you can understand them better. If you want to know what trade should be made in the next two years, you have to know the personnel that you're keeping and the personnel that's on the team already. And the, that's the best time to do this. The best time to do this is to see, you know, don't worry so much about the games. Maybe make it a game within the game for yourself. Study, how does Damien go left? What does he do right? What does he do wrong? Watch, make it a point for your brain to look at every single time Damien drives to the left-hand side and see what patterns you can recognize. See what he does. See what you like what he does. See if you don't, don't like what he does. That's just an example. Somebody's asking questions tonight about 
Damian and CJ, we'll get to those later. But I think that kind of goes along with it. Now is a good time. You know, Damian's first two years, let's say, it was really about watching, and, and even the, the year before Damian, to be perfectly honest, I watched Blazers lose a bunch of games, and it was interesting because I saw players they drafted, they're going to be good. So I know I've you know I've seen almost every single game of both Damian and CJ's career. I know a lot about him, and I've tried to study a lot about him during those games. And you know that, look, they're not going to be a playoff team, or they're going to be a fringe playoff team. Okay, well some some games you can take enjoyment. For me, you can enjoy the idea of watching a player. That's a fun thing to do. For let's say just for in between two commercial breaks, watch one player what they do. If they don't get you know get subbed out the court, it's it's usually something fun you can do with big men. But just watch them move around the court. What do they do? What does CJ do when he's off the ball? What does Allen do when he's off the ball? Take a look at that, and then you'll know more about those players, and that might help you have a better idea about who these players really are, just than that sort of what you superficially do when you watch them. That might be a fun thing to do. I'm I'm grasping at straws here for you. I'm trying to help you guys. I hope you uh, I hope you can appreciate that, even if that's too nerdy for you guys. Well, like I said, the Blazers lost by six points tonight, uh, 105-99 to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Let Russell Westbrook score 42 points. Kind of a bummer. I think it's enough talking about that, to be perfectly honest. Let's get into some questions. I asked you guys on Twitter just to ask me a couple things, and you guys responded to me. I appreciate that very much. We're going to start with our guys over at Holy Backboard. Good podcast run by Dustin Sage. They want to know, what should the Blazers do with Plumley? before the deadline going into RFA is a lose lose for a PDX yes that's a good question because I think it has two big facets going on there one I don't know where the Blazers go who is the Blazers starting center next season who should it be who's out there who can they grab they already made a play at trying to sign starting centers should have been maybe Dwight could have been Hassan Whiteside but they didn't get him. Pau Gasol, maybe. Right? So Mason Plumley, Obviously a good offensive player. In fact, I really enjoy watching him play on offense. Can't watch him play on defense. It's too tough. And I think on offense, too, for the way this team operates now, how it's built up, it's really a, a big issue for him to not be able to shoot at all. I mean, he can't even shoot as well as Robin Lopez. That's a, That's a huge issue for this team. So I like I like him passing. I like him screening. I don't like him on defense that much. I think his offensive game can be limited by the roster around him, which it is, and game planning. Is he going to be worth the amount of money that our teams are going to pay him? That's a good question. But the Blazers have to figure out whether or not they want him first and who they can get. And I think there is, you know, I was talking to some friends the other day here in town, and I, other writer friends, and, you know, they, they think that the Blazers might have be sort of stuck with him because what else are they going to do? And I think the implication there is maybe that Mason Plumlee isn't worth that much money because I don't think he's a starting center in the NBA. I don't. I mean, there are 30 teams, so I guess he's a, he could be a starting center for a bad team, and that bad team is the Blazers right now, not for a good team. And the Blazers want to be a good team. But you might just end up having to pay him. Because you're always going to, or if you feel like you're always going to lose out on that big guy, 
and you don't have that Robin Lopez type of trade to make, if you can't find one, which I know Neil O'Shea is probably desperate to do, man, might be stuck with Mason Plumley. The other part of that might be, how much is he going to get paid? And I honestly don't know, because if you're a, a scout, scouts in the NBA are not stupid. Now, some team you know, ownership or general managers may make silly decisions, or forced decisions, your Evan Turner type decisions when you miss out on guys like Chandler Parsons. So maybe Plumlee's value goes up by that. But we're not talking about, I mean, Alan Crabb, I could see because he's a scorer and a three-point shooter, and those are the two things that are sort of, and he has this sort of false reputation as a defender. It's not terrible, but you know he's not elite or anything. NBA GMs see that now. That's the way future. Number one thing you want, three-point shooting. Point guards, three-point shooting. Right? At least on a service level. So Alan Crabb getting paid $16, $17 million a year. All right, I kind of understand that from the perspective of teams like the Nets. Can't have anybody want to grab guys like that and they're willing to overpay. So we're, we're both saying that guys like Alan Crabb are both have a extremely valued skill, not only in terms of actual value, but perceived value. And also what he's getting paid is an overpay, but that's just to get him. It's a, it's a tax, if you will. So Alan Crabb's contract sort of makes sense. I don't think that Mason Plumley has that kind of draw. Having this, this is a good offensive center who can pass. I mean, what teams need to fill that role at that level? that are inkling for that. I, I don't know. And in terms of team priority, those skill sets are way down the list. Now they're not, uh, in, you know, they're not not to say they're not valuable, but it's way down the list. Let's be honest. So. I'm wondering what he'll actually get paid. In terms of him going into RFA, it's a lose-lose. I don't know. That depends on those two factors. I don't think he'll get traded, though. So the answer about what to do is nothing. I think the Blazers are, in in the most altruistic sense of the RFA situation, are going to do what it's built to do, and that's match if they think they should match. But I don't think Neil will get stuck into, or he shouldn't, get stuck into what he got stuck into this summer. Matching an RFA to trade him. Because you're not trading Mason Plumlee for anything he's getting paid. Somebody gives him 17 mil, 16 mil. You're not trading him. He's not an asset at that point in time. He's a liability. We already all know that. So I don't think they do anything with him. But thanks for asking the question, guys. Reed Andrews over at KATU want to know, do I think CJ the scorer is becoming is coming at the ex- expense of CJ the backup point guard? Lots of ISO lately. Well, I could look this up, but I do believe CJ is an efficient. I mean, it depends on what you're calling ISO. Uh, pure ISO, of course, we do see a lot of that. Yes, CJ McCollum is not uh, entirely an ISO player, though. Obviously, you know, it's like a quick screens or uh, drag screens or refuse screens, all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's not like, I think the supposition of this question is sort of more around the idea of, you know, he was supposed to develop into this, like, more pure type of point guard, right? 
Like that that's I think that's the supposition here and that over time he would turn into that. Now I don't know if that's because people think he should or um because they have Damian Lillard playing right next to him, which is probably a big part of it. But I think legitimately there are a couple of reasons to think he might not do that. And one, it just could just be skill set. It could just be different. I don't think CJ has tremendous vision, right? I'm not saying that he's a bad player or a bad passer at all, but I don't think he's like some wunderkind or something. So an elite point guard, I don't know. But also he's playing at shooting guard. I mean, that's his position now. And that's that I think as much as we could fight about this, as much as you could fight about the some teams having sort of positionless guard positions. It's been a conversation for a long time. CJ's CJ's a two at this point in time. So I don't know what you really want to um, you know fight about there. But I think that that's sort of a, maybe just also a, you know, that's uh, part of the context of where he plays on the floor. He's a two. So maybe he hasn't had time to not only get those stats, but also to develop them, correct, right? Um, or no, develop the, um, excuse me, uh, um, like the vision, the skills. So I don't know. I think it's hard to it's hard to value things on this team because the team is playing so poorly and so under expectations and less than the, you know, less than the sum of their parts. Is it getting in the way? I don't know because I I also feel like the Blazers need the CJ CJ the score is like the second most important thing on the team, much less player, much less skill thing. The entire thing on the team. Damien's first, obviously. So I don't know. Is is that second lineup suffering because they don't have a player playing at a more pure point position. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think Damien's that player put your like pure point position, is he? Is that how the offense is run in the system? No. And these guys have been together for a while. So maybe they're having more isolation plays. That could be true. I'd have to look that up. But do I think it's some kind of detriment or do I think realistically uh, that balance could be struck better? Man, not how I see this team playing in general. I don't think that's the cascading thing that's messing everything up. It's tough, though. I agree. It's tough. Wyatt wants to know, does Myron Leonard have any value left? Ooh, another good question. Another uh, conversation I had with uh, some writer friends the other day while watching that Mavericks game. I think so. They were sort of against me in this, but I think so. And that's that... Yes, Myers' contract in terms of uh, $10 million a year is not great uh, in context of the Blazers' tax situation. But in a vacuum, or in context of another team's salary, more, more directly, $10 million is not a lot of money. Not for a young player, not for a seven-footer, not for a body, not for a guy who, again, there are 30 NBA teams he, he could be a backup on one of them, for sure. I mean, he's a backup on a bad team now, right? So I think that's his value at this moment. 
I've seen him get better over time. And he he does, again, if we're talking about Alan Crabb's contract sort of being part of him having the most, you know, the hottest skill in the NBA right now, Myers also has that skill, right? Seven-footer that shoots threes. Implemented on a good team, really neat. Implemented on a medium team, kind of pushed out. Implemented on a bad team, useful, hopeful maybe. So I don't know. In terms of what really, you know, what value comes back to the Blazers, not a player probably. Probably some kind of pick that comes back. Blazers used to pack it together. My friends were saying that uh, I think they would need to get rid of Myers with a pick. I I don't think that's going to happen. But he might be salary filler. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I think he does have value. He hasn't had as catastrophic as a year as everybody's been freaking out about. Scouts know what it is. But I don't think his value has really changed. The Blazers have been high on him. Olshay has been high on him. I don't think anybody else has been screaming for him. So his value's probably stayed about the same, which is to say we're talking about trading bench players, okay? <laughs> That's what we're doing. Trailblazing wants to know, is CJ Mario or Luigi now? Hmm. Let's be honest. CJ's Luigi. But sometimes... Okay, you're playing Mario Kart. You want to play as Luigi. Or Mario Tennis. You don't know. What are we playing here? Places kind of feel like a... Eh, they're not as good as Mario Tennis, actually. Mario or Luigi. I don't know. Come on. Give me a break. Anyways. What's my prediction for the deadline? Who do you think is likely to get moved? I don't know. The Blazers really have a, a tough time with... I mean, their whole roster, the whole situation is just a logjam, man. The whole situation is just gunk. We've talked about it on and just breathlessly here. But what they do is really is really hard. And I think, you know, a big part of it on both sides of the league, East and Western Conference, is that there are so many teams like the Blazers in the mix, right? And so whether or not, you know, that really dictates whether teams are buyers or sellers, so teams at the, some teams at the bottom, like the 76ers, have been said to be very active in terms of looking for trade partners. But they haven't made a move, right? Or a big move. But you have people, you know, I mean, people think Atlanta isn't in the playoff hunt. Atlanta's fifth in the East. The Pacers are sixth. Charlotte is ninth. Just out of it. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> New York is one and a half games out of the eight spot in the East. Gross. So it's too many teams are buyers. I don't know if enough are sellers. And it's weird to swap between them. Same thing with the West. Obviously, you have Denver, Portland, Dallas, and Sacramento all battling for the eight seed. It's weird. It's a weird position to be in. And the Blazers, I think, so not only is there a sort of a league logjam and a league, you know, sort of browbeating, maybe more than usual, but also the Blazers are stuck in a position where a lot of the assets they signed not very valuable right now. So I don't know. I don't I don't know if there's a move, to be perfectly honest. I've sort of moved away from that a little bit. I think they've looked less like they have a play. 
unless they want to unload one of those picks, which honestly, I would. I would. Why? What What are you going to do with the 13th pick? What are you going to do with it? If you can't, 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 can't trade it away, some of your, some of your medium value flotsam and a pick another team values and get back another player, that's great. Then keep adding free agency. That's why I think the move is for the Blazers. So I don't know if there's a deadline trade to be made. But Neil has shown to be the facilitator. He already helped facilitate one trade this year, if I'm not correct. So I think he might be in like that, another asset gathering situation. Or another, you know, I remember he took, you know, he took Mo just as I'm a flyer. He, he might be in a situation like that where he gets a player like that again or of a similar value like that again on a flyer. So who knows? Who knows? All right. Last couple questions here. Let's let's finish it out. Uh, Greg Esposito, good friend Espo at Twitter. He wants to know uh, how much did the Sonics going away hurt the Blazers by losing a natural rival? That's tough to say. You know, I think that's that there's still a lot of history there. And the conversation here in Seattle, which is where I live, is so centered around city council and what's happening and Hanson and him pissing people off and PR battles and public funding and not not having to be public funded and blah, 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 blah. Traffic. Traffic is a huge one. The, the dock workers union is a huge sort of issue in this whole thing. It would be nice to have him back. So team, people definitely want it back. And I think that rivalry is a great thing. But again, you know, when it comes to rivalries, even natural ones, unless they are deep-seated in you know, real hate, which is hard to do in, in the professional sports, I think, unless you have a David and Goliath situation. And I don't think the Blazers and Sonics have that anymore. They've both had such times of being high or low where the games didn't matter. That it wasn't one team beating down the other for year after year after year. Even though, even after, you know, all the battles they've had. You know, this isn't Blazers fans hating the Lakers. To be perfectly honest. Like, why is, like, the Lakers haven't been good for years now. Why does that still feel like such a thing? It's not just because the Lakers still exist, obviously. It's because... The Lakers are Goliath. It's why it's why Oregon fans hate Washington fans in football so much. Because Washington was Goliath. So even after a what, ten straight wins or more, I forget how many it was, who cares? On football field, Oregon still wanted to clobber well, Oregon fans still wanted to clobber Washington fans. It was great. Does that really happen in pro basketball anymore? I don't know. I think it would be great to have it back. But I almost feel like there's a... Because of the Sonics leaving, if they came back and that rivalry started up again, it would be hard to, be, to hate them because I think uh, very few Seattle fans seem to watch the Blazers, although there are some here. There would be such a... You know, fans in Portland, people in Portland say they wish they had the Sonics back, you know, for for their friends in Seattle. There's so much crossover between these two cities that it's almost it's almost friendly at this point in time. You know, it really is. So if they got it back, it would be, hey, great. I'm so glad you guys have a team back. Let's play. 
Not, I'm glad you guys are back. I hate you forever. I hope you never win a game. That's, that's what, I mean, I remember 2008 when Washington football didn't win a game. It was great. I'm a Ducks fan, by the way. But the Sonics coming back, I mean, no one's going to be hating on them. So I think that rivalry is good. I feel like obviously it would be good for, um, you know, they could they could play it up somehow. Now, obviously the rivalry between Seattle and Portland in soccer is really big. But that's more based off of how soccer fans interact with their sport. And the, I mean, soccer is so, you know, tribal. There's such such tribalism between supporters groups that it feels so much different than basketball, you know? So even though you could point to that and say, well, if it came back, it could be like these two soccer teams. Nah, I'm not sure. And that is a heated rivalry for sure. So it wouldn't be nice to have it back. Honestly, I've said this before on this podcast and elsewhere. It's ridiculous to have, you know, it's ridiculous for me to go drive around a city like Seattle and think it doesn't have a basketball, a pro basketball team. It's just weird. I mean, it's not it's not like living in a pretty big city. You know, like I live in Charlotte. All right, it's like a pretty big city, but also very suburbish. Seattle is a city city. It's huge. Why is there no basketball team here? It's weird. Anyways, thanks for the questions, you guys. I appreciate it. Uh, more I didn't get to. I didn't want to run too long today, but I appreciate you sending them in. Um, you know, tough loss for the Blazers. Again, 105.99. Hold on, you guys. Hold on. I know a lot of you won't be satisfied if they end up being a playoff team and get clobbered by Golden State, you know, in four games. I know a lot of you won't be satisfied if they end up ninth or 10th. I know a lot of you will still be mad, too, if they end up at the bottom of the Western Conference. So it's hard to placate everybody. I understand. But keep watching the team. Keep supporting them. Learn what you can. Make yourself more educated. I think you can be, you can enjoy it more if you're more educated. You'll be, you'll be less mad about stuff, to be perfectly honest. You, you really will. The more, the more I've educated myself uh, in basketball, the less mad I've be, you know, become. So... Try it out. That might really help you this season. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, you can on iTunes. Of course, we're also on Audio Boom, Stitcher, Google Play. Oh, man, I don't know where else, but please subscribe to us. Give us a five-star review. Give me a five-star review. That would be really nice if you like this podcast. I did it solo. I did it alone here on Super Bowl Sunday. Again, the Blazers lose to the um, Oklahoma City Thunder, 105-99. Russell Westbrook has 42 points. Blazers, again, looking not great, but they play again this week or, well, whatever you, I think if you start your your weeks on Sunday or Monday, but they play again against Dallas on February 7th at 5.30 p.m. our time out in Texas. I'll see you guys next time out. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.